Hello, welcome to Culture Fear. Culture Fear. Culture Fear. Culture Fear. Culture Fear. That song does my head in, but let's put that to one side, shall we? Hey, yeah, how we doing? It's December, episode three. It's so cold here in London at the moment. Since we last spoke, I've uh, been to a few shows, went to see Thundercat, who was unreal, the most unbelievable musicianship, and definitely kind of show I don't really go to a lot. It was in quite a big venue, and the band jammed loads. I never see bands jam, but uh, that was amazing. I got down to the Saturday of the Static Shock Weekender, managed to see Limp Risk, Good Frob, Exit Order, uh, Necro and a bunch more and it was fucking sick so good um, it was quite um, affirming really um, seeing so many amazing bands and just some of the sets and I guess performances makes it sound a bit put on, I don't know, inauthentic but like it was just so good the bands were so so cool so what else have I been up to I started playing football again recently I had about six weeks off with a hurt foot and to be honest I didn't know I'd miss it so much. Just watching football or like hearing about my friends play football really kind of started bumming me out. I'm back playing now a few times a week and it's amazing to be honest. Anyway enough about me. On this podcast I talked to John Bear Andrews. I was trying to think back to when I first met John Bear. I imagine it was going to see his band Man Hands. Um, around that same time, I put them on with Punch in Kingston. If you're into fastcore, like Scholastic Death, I'd really recommend checking them out. I'd start with the split with Lich. Both sides of that record are punishing, to say the least. That time was probably about six years ago now, and I'd definitely say that John's one of my uh, best friends. I never have had a bad time around John. <laughs> Not that I have bad times around many people, but um, he's just one of the coolest guys to hang out with. And he's put me onto so many amazing records, so many amazing computer games, so many amazing films, so many amazing friends as well, actually. He talks a little bit about um, a catering company that he recently stopped. That was Joey's Kitchen that he did with um, Fran and Sam, who we also talk about in the podcast. It's been amazing watching those three do what they did with that company. Well, I say company, what they did in their spare time up until the end when it was, I guess, their company. And honestly, it was probably the best food that I, I was always excited to eat their food whenever they made it in London. And even though it's come to an end, I'm so excited to see what they do next. I honestly think due to their experience with it and the fact that they're such brilliant and creative vegan chefs, it's going to put them in perfect stead for whatever comes next. Whether that's six months down the line or five years down the line, I think that they're in a perfect position now to do something truly special. And my conversation with John didn't really get that far in a sense of timeline. We only got up to, well, when Sky, when he first joined Skylark. So I'd imagine that there'll be an episode two and an episode three to try and fill in the decade from then till now. But hopefully you'll enjoy what we talk about in this one. Um, and thanks so much for listening. If you do enjoy it, maybe rate us on iTunes. Definitely try and tell friends that you think will enjoy it. Thanks so much. Hope you enjoy the podcast.
Hey, John, how, what have you been up to? Uh, hi, Sean. Um, this is very strange. I don't think we've ever had a conversation with each other where there's been microphones in between us. This is a very odd sensation. Uh, yeah, I've been good. Been good. Um, what have I been up to? Making hot sauce today. Okay. Yeah, which is sort of like probably the best job, the second best job I've ever had. What's the first best job? Um, me and my friend Chris used to sell fireworks in a, a car park in Loughton. Oh, yeah. <laughs> For his Uncle Neil. But um, there's a story about that that might come out on a, another podcast. Okay. That, well, I'll uh, let the uh, podcast listeners know about that as and when. Yeah. Um, yeah, so just working, working. Yeah, um, so uh, it's been a busy year. Been doing a lot of working, but... Um, like, uh, do you mean in terms of music? Whatever. Whatever. Okay, so yeah, um, I recently just um, sort of finished. I was doing a catering company, but uh, recently decided to call it quits because it's just uh, very hard out there. Yeah. Um, and we realised we had jobs that we liked working for another company. So we just sort of like... <laughs> hand signals. Uh, so yeah, so... Um, just recently got a lot more spare time back, but I work for Temple of Satan. You may know it okay, as the vegan yeah. chicken shop, um, which is a great place to work. I'm really enjoying it. Um, and earlier this year, recorded um, an LP with my band Snob, and that should be... So that's you as a, your alias, right? My alias, Ronaldo Frittata. <laughs> that's yeah. one of the ali- alii. <laughs> Okay, uh, but that's me. Yeah, I am Ronaldo Frittata, which incidentally uh, is a real name. Okay, that was uh, when Ollie, our drummer, aka I don't, Bum Droppings, um, he uh, he's a primary school teacher, and when he was doing his um, PGCE, he had a lecturer <laughs> called Ronaldo Frittata. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I adopted it as a pseudonym, but um, yeah, so we've got an LP that's. Um, I believe should be getting some test presses back soon, but it's sick. Yeah, and then waiting for some artwork to be done, and then hopefully, I mean, these things always seem to drag out. I don't yeah. know if that's your experience of. Yeah, mine definitely has been. Yeah, yeah, yeah. especially with an LP because you want it to be perfect. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, and like, I guess when you're doing stuff on a bit of a budget, you kind of got time to go in and sit in the studio and like ride the faders when you're mixing and stuff so it all ends up being back and forth via email and I guess that sort of um, extends yeah extends yeah. it a little bit and I mean I've all, I always felt that you know as much as EP 7 inches they're cool you want the album is what people if people listen are going to listen to yeah sure and, and also you're going to listen to back probably first so that's got to be the one where you like Right, this can take an extra six months if yeah, it has to, yeah. because what's six months in the grand scheme of things, even though right now it seems like the longest time in the world? Well, yeah, I definitely... Uh, <clears throat> like, one of the other things is, like, I guess at this sort of, like, the scale where we do things anyway, where it's, like, you know, it's basically just something we do for ourselves, that you kind of don't need to just say, like... You don't need to rush it. You don't need to say, like, that'll do. Like, yeah. if you're the one funding it and it's something you do because you like doing it, then you might as well just take the extra time to make sure you're happy with it. Yes. Yeah. I don't know, you, you sometimes hear these stories of, like, big albums coming out, like, you know, classic albums and, like, the Iggy and the Stooges' raw power. <laughs> it's like every, everyone says that apparently everyone hated the sound of that album. Yeah. Because the band all recorded their instruments on one track and then Iggy, like, overdubbed his vocals. 
So when they went to mix it, David Bowie had like two tracks to mix, like the band and the vocals. <laughs> so <laughs> it sounded as so it yeah. Well, I mean, it's a great album, and I think it sounds amazing. But I like. But that's interesting. The interesting that thing because like, now people will go in and be like, right, I've like, especially with it being like the Stooges who are influential not just in punk but like I guess in indie in a way as well so I'm sure there's been big indie bands that are like cool we've got two weeks to record a record that sounds like this yeah yeah where in actual fact what they were doing was like right we've got six hours to record 12 songs yeah and it's gonna sound however it sounds yeah (laughs) but I'm basically just like bumbling in there (laughs) one of my favorite uh Iggy and the Stooges stories is um if you watch, uh, if you've seen Gimme Danger, the Jim Jarmusch uh, documentary, which I think came out like last year, um, you'll know this story. If not, then I'm about to spoil it for you. So watch <laughs> You're gonna out. spoil it for me, yeah. But um, when they recorded Funhouse, apparently, like they they went into a proper studio in LA, and like the producer was like, you know, let's let's all like record all the instruments like separately and like try and do this, and that, you yeah. know, they did it and did it, and they were like, ah, oh, this doesn't sound right. So what they had to do is record it live in a room, but they had to have Iggy in there, not doing his vocals, but just, like, dancing. Composing. Com- yeah, just to, like, get them all, like, <laughs> properly in the vibe. Like, just have him there. I love that. Dancing around, yeah. Yeah. I guess um, I guess that's still what he does, isn't it? Just try and push as much energy Do you know what? Um, we got a DAB Digital Radio this year, and Iggy Pop's show on Six Music is amazing because he plays, like, such a ve- like a varied like playlist yeah and like you know there's stuff on there that you know you put it on you you hear it and you're like, oh that's a classic song i love that and then there'll be like new like so new bands but then stuff. there'll be like neoclassical stuff like yeah um synthesizer composers and stuff it's just like it's a real mixed bag and it's cool because i you know yeah like it's, it's hard to find new music these days because there's so much everywhere yeah yeah just like, coming at you everywhere so it's good to have someone be like here's some stuff yeah, what do you select, selector for you. Yeah, yeah, because it is interesting. Um, kind of forget that these people, like he's been a musician for what forty years now. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was just trying to think that sixty nine <laughs> was a nineteen sixty nine. It's quite a famous Stooges song. So yeah, forty years. Jesus, Probably nearly fifty. Yeah. Wow. That's uh, un- yeah. Well, it's not unprecedented, but it's a long time. You can't imagine another one coming out like him. No. Not now. But then maybe in 50 years' time... It'll be you will. and me, Sean. <laughs> maybe not that. <laughs> um, cool. Um, we'll go back to... Um, so we've had R- Ronaldo Frittata? Yes, Ronaldo Frittata's giving you the update. Okay, um, so... Yeah, so I'd Snob love... LP coming out soon, I guess. Once there's a release date, we'll chuck it up on our band camp and people Sick. can just listen to it. Yeah. Um... Another pseudonym, John Bear. Tell me about that. Uh, this is a this is a family nickname that everyone calls yeah, you. Yeah, right? basically, like I believe it comes from when I was a very small baby. I had a little, you know, baby grow bear suit. <laughs> so it's it's what my mum and my dad and like my brother have called me since like day one, pretty much. Yeah. And um, yeah. So, so, how did it get to your uni friends? Because your brother was around that no, time. No, well, because you, you took it with you. Well, basically, because like I still keep in contact with a lot of my friends from primary school. Yeah. And because of my brother and stuff like that. Um, yeah, it's just, just. Was there another John at primary school? 
Um, I don't think anyone at primary school called me John Bear. It's just a, it's like a family thing. Yeah, yeah. But like at primary school, they used to call me Andy's because of John Andrews. And okay. then at secondary school, they used to call me Jabber. Jabber. Yeah, as stuff. in Jabber the Hut. <laughs> <laughs> because I was a bit podgy. Okay. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So there you go. So now people can start calling me Jabber again. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um. So. Yeah, so just you and your brother growing up, was it? Um, yeah, I mean, like, uh, in my dad's, like, got uh, kids from a previous marriage, so I've got um, a brother and sister from them, but they're much older. Like, by the time, like, me and my brother were sort of, like, started, I guess, became aware, like, they had already left the house and they were married and stuff like that. So, yeah, yeah me and my brother grew up in Shropshire. Salop. Salop, very green. <laughs> yeah. um, very beautiful. Um, not loads going on. Okay. So it's it's a good place to go and chill out, but like, you know, when you start becoming a teenager and you want to start doing stuff, and I don't know, it's not a lot going on in the town. Yeah. Was was you as a teenager like into music? Was that your thing? Or? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like, um, me and like a bunch of my friends, like, we'd always been into like Britpop. I remember definitely like around seven or eight. Um. Being really into Oasis, and my friend Ol was really into Blur, and okay. obviously that was the time where you had this great rivalry between Oasis and Blur. And I would argue that Oasis definitely started stronger, okay, but that Blur maybe became better. But now both of them are terrible, so everything sort of. But we can link it back that out. Oasis did have to re-record an album because it didn't sound good enough. That's not true. Live. Yeah, yeah. That's true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hopefully we can keep on coming back to bands that had to re-record records. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Weren't happy with it. Yeah, some of the stories about that band recording, it sounds... Uh, bit naughty. Pretty pretty naughty, bit ridiculous. <laughs> like, Yeah. So when did you start playing music? Uh, so I played violin from the age of maybe like seven or eight. Okay, so is that because your parents were into music and were like, we like music with well, violins? Or no, cause... well, mum, mum and dad like... Um, Dad played the violin when he was like a very small boy and mum never played an instrument. She uh, she had a guitar. She could play a couple of songs on guitar. She taught me how to play like uh, The Animals, House of the Rising Sun, stuff like that, like just some like really simple stuff. But um, actually my mum took up flute like later in life and she still plays to this day. She plays in like Alverley Village Band, which is Fantastic. like one of our local like, <laughs> and she loves it. It's yeah. great. She's, whenever I talk to her on the phone and stuff, and you know she's like, how's your, how's like, how's your band doing? Have any gigs coming up and stuff? And then she's always like, oh, I've just got a gig coming up. I'm really excited and like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, do you ever think about getting her on a Skylark record? She does always ask. She always offers <laughs> yes. her services. She always, always. She's like, do you want someone to come and play flute? And I'm like, ah. oh, we've already got someone playing flute. Do you Sorry. know what though? Now you've like <laughs> popped the idea back in my head. I'm gonna bring it up with Ben and Charlie. See what they reckon. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so, um, I can't really, I just, I remember going to like, I don't know if it was a music fair or like a car boot or something. And there was an old violin there. And I remember like picking it up and having a play on it. And my dad was like, oh, I used to play the violin when I was younger. And I was like, oh, I want to play the violin. So yeah. I started having lessons. Um, but I guess you get to a certain point and you think, Oh, the violin's not a very cool <laughs> instrument. Like, yeah. And my older brother was playing guitar at the time. 
Uh, so I was like, ah, oh, he's got a guitar, like so much cooler, and like I was listening to a lot of guitar music. And Not I feel violin like, music. No, well, That's I was trying close. to think about it, and the only like sort of big violinist you'd see in the charts was uh, in the Cause. Oh, and that was uh, yeah. not really. I mean, fantastic band. Going back wrong. now, maybe you. Have yeah, a I've got a better appreciation <laughs> for the the music of the cause, but at the time, I didn't think they were particularly cool. So, um, yeah. So I basically like I was I was actually a bit of a little shit, if I can swear about it. When um, I decided I didn't want to play violin anymore, uh, I sort of said to my mum and dad, I, was like, "I don't want to do this anymore." My dad was just like, and he says this to this day. I'll be like. If you give up now, you'll regret. You'll get to the age that I am and you'll regret. And I say to him, Dad, I, I play guitar. Like, I love it. I like playing bands. Like, I get to it. And he's just like, yeah, but you'll, you, you might one day turn on and regret, you know, not you, keeping at the violin. Do you think that your dad probably... When he first told you that, if he'd picked it up again... He at did, this point, he did it'd briefly, be bloody brilliant. But um, yeah, that's true. But then he also gave it up, so that gave me ammunition. But what I used to do is terrible. Like I don't know if you've ever played a violin, but they really take a long time to tune. All right. And I just used to like detune my violin before I went to my violin lesson, and my violin teacher would just be like, "You little what?" Yeah, basically like, "What the hell?" Because you just it'd waste like half the lesson. So I think after a point, she definitely uh, would have <laughs> spoke to my parents and said, "I don't, I don't think it's hearts in this." <laughs> Um, at which point, yeah, I stopped having the violin lessons. But I'd already picked up a guitar by that point. Um, yeah. So w- with your mum being a musician yeah, and your dad of playing playing music and obviously pushing, not pushing, but, oh, yeah, I guess he was pushing violin. Well, yeah, I think he just point. wanted, I think he just yeah. thought it was, was. Was there always music around the house? Like, are they into music? Well, um, they're into music, but they like... Um, they're like really into classical music, and Dad used to be like quite into jazz. Um, and actually, my mum like when I first got into like records and stuff, I was like, "Oh, have you guys got any records?" This would have been around seventeen, eighteen. Yeah. Uh, decided I, you know, I wanted a record player in my room, and I, my mum was really into prog, so she had Amazing. all these. She had all these like uh, King Crimson records and like can, um, Caravan, like Canterbury Sound prog bands, like okay. records that. Um, I just sort of like was like, yoink, I'll take these. And my dad had some Beatles records and stuff like that. Because there's, yeah, so you're like um, a second generation yeah. of your parents, right? Yeah, well, so my uh, my dad's, um, Jesus Christ, how old is he now? 82? Born in 1934. 83. 83, wow. Quick math. Um, and my mum is younger than that. <laughs> yes. Um... So basically, yeah, um, like I've, I think my dad briefly tried to get into like more modern bands in the '90s because I remember Simply Red, there being a Simply yeah. Red CD around the house, and we listened to that. And also, he had he was into Jeff Buckley. Okay. Yeah, I, I think he. So my parents are both Christians, and I think he saw the Jeff Buckley album. It was called Grace. Yeah. And he thought it was Christian rock. Yes. Because also it had a cover of Hallelujah on well, it. Well, yeah, that's what so I was he would thinking. he would have looked at the back of the CD. It says Grace Hallelujah. He was like, brilliant, some Christian rock. <laughs> I'll get them somehow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll so, trick them. Yeah. So, but like, I don't. I mean, they were always like. I, the, I remember listening to music a lot around the house, and like, especially on like, you know, holidays and stuff, car journeys and yeah. stuff. But. um were your older siblings, did they come back and ever be like, oh, this well, might like this? You yeah, so um, we were talking about Oasis earlier. For my for Christmas, 
either 95 or 96. I'd seen Oasis on Top of the Pops 2. They had a special, I think, just after What's the Story had come out and they played like a bunch of their songs. Me and my brother were watching this and we were like, whoa, like this is the coolest thing ever. (laughs) So for Christmas that year, I like from my older sister, she got me What's the Story Morning Glory. Nice. And I remember on whatever Christmas Day or Boxing Day when everyone, like all the family was around, I put it on. And my older, older brother from the like uh, older generation family, like Tom, he was like, what, what, what do you want to listen to Oasis for? Everyone listens to Oasis. You want to listen to something cool? And I was like, what's cool? And he was like, check this out. And he put Bjork on. <laughs> nice. Yeah, but I mean, yeah. at the time I was just like, come on, what? Have you been back to him and been like, you still like Bjork? Does he still yeah, like yeah, Bjork? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He still likes Bjork. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I did, I've, I've told him that, like, I think, I, you know, you've got a few tins in you. Like, oh, you know what, mate? Uh, uh. <laughs> really love your Yeah, you? yeah. So, um, yeah, I, that's like a, a really early musical memory that I like sticks in my mind. Like, yeah, him just being like, oh, he said, he said something like, um, oh, people are, like no one will remember you if you like Oasis. Everyone likes Oasis. Like some weird stuff like Bjork. <laughs> That was his like his idea was like if you like weird stuff people will like remember you more. So there you go. Yeah, I don't know. Um, so Oasis was that your first record? And then obviously your brother comes and pisses all over it and you don't like it. Yeah. Well, no, no. <laughs> well, no I mean, like, I still, I still yeah, loved of course, it. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, but like, was that the first record where you're like, I want this? Yeah, yeah. That I remember being like, this is something I want with your brother as well. To. Yeah, and we like. Um, so my brother, my brother Alex, is about four years older than me. So. Um, I remember when he went to secondary school, it would have been 94. And this is just after, like, I guess stuff like Nirvana. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I remember mixtapes being a thing. And, like, he got given a mixtape from some friends and it had, like, Nirvana songs on it. It had Green Day songs. Because 94, I think, was Dookie. Like, that was Green Day's year, right? Um, Had, like, yeah, Nirvana, Green Day. It was quite a good mix actually it had some pulp on there had Sorted Freeze cool. and Wiz which obviously yeah. singing along to Sorted Freeze and Wiz <laughs> like not having a fucking clue <laughs> your dad's like yeah, trying yeah. to turn up Jeff Buckley I've got actually I've got a good pulp related story yes. uh, skipping forward a few years when This Is Hardcore came out and um, I was buying CD singles at that time because like you could save up a couple of weeks like pocket money or whatever, do some chores around the house, get a little bit of cash, and you could buy a CD single because they were much cheaper. So I bought This Is Hardcore by Pulp. And uh, if you've never heard the song, the lyrics are very filthy. Okay. But at the as an innocent young boy, I did not realise how filthy they were. And I used to play it on repeat quite loudly, like singing along. And my mum had a word with my older brother and was like, don't tone it down. T- tell him to just like hide it or something because it's like, <laughs> I guess, hearing your like young child yeah. walking around singing stuff like that. But it's amazing that she knew you didn't know what it was. Yeah, because some parents yeah, yeah. would be like, John Bear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, she was very cool about it, but like, yeah. Um, so yeah, so uh, older brother. So he, we had some like tapes with some other stuff on it. Um, but I remember when uh, we were on holiday one year. And, like, you know, when you're hanging out at, like, a beach or whatever and, like, my parents got speaking to some other English people and they had two boys around the same age as me and my brother. And um, they... He he was already playing guitar, the older brother, Tom. And they gave us a tape that had um, Sergeant Pepper on one side and Led Zeppelin Four on the other. Okay. And so, like, we, we'd gone on holiday with just, like, this Oasis tape. And then I remember, like, he gave us this tape with Sergeant Pepper and Led Zeppelin 4 on the other side, and that became the next sort of, like, 
yeah. day, couple of days like car listening. Yeah. Like, and what um, one did you go to more? Uh, Sergeant Pepper's at the time, although I did love Led Zepp, although I feel like a bit of distance from Led Zepp now. You hear about like Jimmy Page and it's like... Uh, I don't know. I've never been into him and uh, never kept just up. A... Right, anyway, I'm sure anyway, people we'll... <laughs> will say no, they, no, they can Google yeah, yeah. it. Won't waste time talking yeah, yeah. about it. Um, yeah, so, yeah. So, yeah, I remember, yeah, um, like Britpop and indie basically being like uh, a big thing. And then like... I remember when me and like a bunch of our friends, uh, we would like start listening to the radio in the evenings and like Steve Lamac. Yeah, that was for me as well. Radio One used to be amazing. Yeah, it was great. It was past seven o'clock. Yeah, because you had Steve Lamac, then you'd have like a specialist show. Yeah, every night there'd be like yeah. nine till ten. For me, this was probably a few years after. But no, it, I remember it being the same because you had Mike Davies doing the lockup, which was like punk yeah. and hardcore. <laughs> and then like there was Westwood on like Saturdays yeah, or something um, like There was one, um, oh, I used to love it. It was um, Bangra, uh, oh, Bobby Friction and Niho, I think it oh, was, nice. was one of mine. But I think at the same time, you'd probably had Colin Murray and Edith Bowman. Right, yeah. The, but the, they the took over because they took over from like Steve Lamac's slot the okay. session. See, because when I was coming in, it was Zane Lowe at seven till nine. Right, okay, yeah. So that would have been again because I think Colin and Edith went to a later du- slot during the day as well. Oh, okay, point. okay. But I mean, I mean, yeah, I just, I just remember like Steve Lamac would play like, oh, I was trying to think of some of the bands like Idlewild was like a big one. Yeah. And I remember like it would be in the evening, so you get home from work. Uh, work? <laughs> going from school or whatever or like you'd go to scouts or whatever I was in scouts and cubs yeah. and stuff and like you'd listen to it in the car on the way there and stuff and I just yeah I remember Idlewild being a big big like fixture on the radio around that time yeah. and like Mannix and because Mannix is one of yours yeah Mannix was my older brother uh, Alex like they were he just absolutely loved the Mannix and I remember like him getting everything must go um, yeah. and yeah, I was like super into it. I I came back to them later at the time. I just think I was like, this is fine kind of thing, but it's no oasis, basically. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And then like in teenage years, I like discovered some of their other albums and like sort of went back to them. Because I guess more. when you went to secondary school, yeah. with your brother being four years older, was that like a bit of a break? Because like 11 and 15 for most kids is a world apart yeah that's or were true you yeah, always yeah. quite close and we're like... always we're always pretty close and always like I mean we didn't we shared a room until I think maybe around he was like 12 or something like that Um so we always used to hang out listening to music and on holiday and stuff but even after that like he had a CD player in his room and yeah. I just had the, like the radio but I would go and like hang out in his room yeah. and we'd listen to music together like um well, this is probably deeply embarrassing, but I remember the day the second Coldplay album came out. Okay, yeah. And um, what is it called? Russia, Russia Blood. Blood to the Head, which, upon reflection, I don't think is a very good album. But See, I'd say there's at least three or four really good songs. Maybe. I, it's been a while for me, so, I mean, I loved The, the Scientist, the first I think, album. is the one, the piano one. But, uh, yeah, I remember, like, him getting the first, uh, the second Coldplay album and, like, when he came yeah. home from school, like, we excitedly, like, gathering around the CD <laughs> yeah. player to listen to it, like two or three times in a row yeah um, but yeah like so we always just to like hang out and listen to music i mean he definitely uh feel like a lot of teenagers if their annoying kid brother had been hanging around all the time would have just been like piss off but no he's, <laughs> he's, he's a pretty cool guy so yeah 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 and you're still um like 
he plays in bands, right? And not... um, he hasn't for a while, but yeah, he always did. Like, yeah. So my, some of my first experiences of um, people recording music. So I didn't actually record in a studio until I was about eighteen. Yeah. But um, when my brother was in bands when he was like uh, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen. Uh, the guitar player, uh, Matt Jennings, who we all call Jell. So Jell uh, used to... Basically, uh, we took the PC from my brother's room downstairs okay. and we got some free recording software, like... Jesus. I don't know, like, you yeah. know, a front cover of, like, a record, like, guitarist magazine or something. And those guys made records, like... That is so cool. Like, just on the computer, like, using a drum machine, programming drums, and, like, Jell still to this day makes music. Um, yeah by himself like largely which i find absolutely amazing like he does you know writes it all performs it all produces it um under the name talk less say more okay if you google that you can find his music it's kind of like it's pop music he writes really awesome pop music um and yeah so yeah it was like the first experience seeing people record music was like in in our lounge like and these guys just basically working it out as they were going along kind of thing yeah um and you know do you think a part of you realising it's attainable to make music is because your brother's downstairs yeah, literally doing everything. Yeah, probably. I mean, um, I uh, am absolutely terrible at recording. <laughs> I, I try. I have like an 8-track and I've tried like doing a little bit of stuff myself, but I just... Uh, just been sick of records on that 8-track. It's just a shame it you're has, not behind yeah, it's it. Not, it's just nothing to do with me. It's, it's always been other people. Um, What's the roll call of records recorded on that 8-track um, at this point? So... Good Throb, Fuck Off was recorded on that. It's a pretty good one. <laughs> uh, and maybe a couple of the seven inches. I can't really remember yeah. now. Um, Lich? I think the Lich demo, but all the all the recordings that were audible were done by Jason yeah. Fry. Um, so any snob at any point? Yeah, the first two snob seven inches. So the first seven inch was like literally just us in a room and like I was like, oh, yeah, I know what I'm doing. And then basically just had to like... I remember sitting around it whilst we were trying to mix it together and it was just like, oh God, I just this sounds yeah. awful. So we sent it off to Daniel Hussein, who worked his magic on it. On, and then when we did the second seven inch, we were just like, Daniel, will you please just come to our studio and like just put show us where to put the mics and like yeah. set the levels. You know, just the stuff that like I have. I have a I have understand the basic concept of it. Like you put yeah. the microphone in front of the amp and you put the gain up but it just sounds terrible when I do it so just it's fine I'm just going to yeah. back away from maybe that. your own biggest critic and then the person if the person in another band did it you'd be like oh it sounds wicked yeah maybe maybe but um, yeah so um, I think that's it I mean a lot of um, like Balistraria which was a black metal band that a couple of my friends did they recorded some stuff on that yeah um, I think um, another sort of couple of short lived London punk yeah, things yeah, nitpickers yeah. went round yeah so it was just it was just and if you're listening and you need to borrow an 8 track <laughs> please just write to me <laughs> yes. or if you want to buy one actually. yeah because <laughs> you were trying to sell it at one point <laughs> yeah if you want to buy an 8 track that's a bit of punk history please just uh, at me yeah so when when so you said you first recorded at 18 but we did you play music in bands before that um, me and my friends so basically um I had picked up my brother's electric guitar when I was about 12 and like started learning. Well, I think he showed me how to play power chords. He was like, this this is a power chord. And he showed me a couple of like open chords and stuff. 
And then around that time, he also showed me uh, guitar tabs and how to read guitar tabs. Yeah. Um, and like, you know, where to find them on the internet and stuff. So I just used to like, I remember a lot of feeder, a lot of Nirvana, um, just like pretty simple, like power chordy sort of stuff. Yeah. Which um, I would just like download these tabs off the internet and then just like sit in my room with like a small practice amp and play along to them. And then, uh, so my friend Ol, Oliver Andrews, uh, no relation. Um, <laughs> he he had a drum set. So he moved from Kidderminster to Bridge North uh, when we were about seven, seven or eight. And he had a drum set. So like, yes, yeah, from that age, from that age, he'd had a drum set. And like, when I started playing guitar and stuff, I think we just decided that it'd be fun to try and play together. And I remember, yeah, like Green Day covers, food, feeder covers, like Nirvana covers. And we got a gig at some kind of, it's a church thing or a village like fate thing. Yeah. Basically, they were like, yeah, you can come and play some songs. <laughs> like basically, like, yeah, rocked up and played a couple of Green Day just covers. The two of you. Just the two of us. Yeah. To like, you know, sort of like mostly uninterested. Yeah. Your parents of, at the front clapping a lot. Yeah, kind of like That's, that. That kind of thing. Buying um, jam. Yeah. Exactly that. Exactly <laughs> that. So yeah. So we, that was like the first experience I had of like playing music with someone else and then at a later date um my friend Jono who I went to nursery school with known him since I was about three something like that yeah uh he decided that uh he's just gonna play bass Sick. so he got a bass and he started playing and then our friend Ed as well who I went to primary school with um known him since I was like four he also had a guitar at the time cool so we just decided we were going to do this. We were going to form a band. And yeah, like uh, Ed had a garage, like classic, classic story. Ed had a garage, <laughs> like had a drum set. Uh, Ed played drums as well. Although I think by his own admission, not as well as all, shall we say. <laughs> um, so yeah, we like, we hold up in Ed's garage and like started trying to write songs um, and just like playing loads of covers and, must have annoyed the hell out of his neighbours, just yeah. like muddling through like bad Nirvana covers. And how old was this? Uh, I'm gonna say like 13, 14, year nine. I was in year nine at school. Cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, that age. Yeah. So, and was yeah. there any at school? Did they care? Did the music teacher like care that you did music outside of school? Uh, yeah, actually, it was pretty. So I did. I did music like uh, up until GCSE. Um, I actually did music at AS level, but. It, Became a bit harder at that point. Yeah, you're like, oh. <laughs> it was a bit more like theory based, and yeah. I was just like, oh shit, I don't understand any of this. Um, but yeah, like GCSE music, I think like, I mean, it's a pretty thankless task, I think, trying to teach GCSE music because like half of the sort of group just aren't paying attention. That's literally my experience working in a school, walking yeah. into the GCSE, and everyone's playing the dictionary. Half of them care, half of them don't. We had those keyboards that had like voice samples and stuff on it, and one of them was dictionary. And this is a classic story, I think, for anyone my age who did music GCSE. Just people sh- jamming on the dictionary button, so it said dick, 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 dick. <laughs> oh, what's the teachers trying to trying to teach? You know what I mean? Like, because everyone was sat in front of a keyboard, and it was like they're trying to teach you some yeah. theory. But um, yeah, like my music teacher at at secondary school um, was like he knew I played guitar, and like I used to bring my guitar in and stuff. And he was pretty cool. He just used to like. Sort of like everyone was sat in front of keyboards and he was fine with just me let let me just play guitar. I yeah. think he was kinda like 
He's enjoying this. It's playing Follow music. Your bliss, John. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you rock, you rock, man. Kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, can't remember where I was going with that. But yeah, that's cool. So, yeah. um, I'm sure there's like so much in those like from 14 to 18 to yeah, talk about. Yeah. What? So yeah, who's the band that recorded? So the first band that I ever recorded with was a band I did at uni. Uh, which was called Earth Defense Force. Okay, so before we get to here, let's okay. talk about. So you you're going to uni yeah. from Shropshire, yeah, from Midlands Shropshire, kind yeah, of yeah. place. And where did you go? So I went to the University of Kent because you Canterbury. wanted to move to Canterbury, or because it was a good <sighs> course, or because that was all that would have you at the time, uh, <laughs> <laughs> or all three, or none of them. A little bit of it. So basically, I, I originally I planned I was going to go to uni to do drama and theatre studies. That was my plan. And I went and looked at a couple of places. I went to look at Manchester, and that was my first choice. And I went to look at the University of Kent. It was one of my second or third choices. I can't remember. But uh, basically, I was, I am and continue to this day to be a terrible academic student. Okay. Um, Apart just, from how to make chicken out of Satan. Yeah, of course. But, but that, <laughs> you know, that's uh, very hands-on, like physical stuff and like stuff I actually care about, like... <laughs> I can like put my mind <laughs> yeah. to it, but like yeah, yeah, I'll studying at school and uni, I was just like shockingly bad. Yeah. Soon, like just can't pay attention, can't motivate myself. So, ended up sort of like classic, sort of like uh, just getting like A levels, getting C's at A level, and basically not being able to get into my first place. So then, like phoning up clearing and yeah. just like University of Kent were like, yeah, we'll take you, but not for drama. So I went and did a philosophy degree in in Kent. Just because that's what they offered. Well, it was what they offered, and like I'd been, I'd been to see the campus. So I knew, I knew that it was like cool and stuff. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that was like. Did you care about philosophy at the time? Uh, I just, I think I thought it would sound. I thought it would be like really interesting. Yeah. So did they offer you a few, or it was like no, this that, is all? It's philosophy or film studies. That was it. That was philosophy or film studies, and I um. I just thought like philosophy would be more interesting than film studies. I, I, in retrospect, maybe not, but who knows? Like. Yeah, yeah, it is what it is. But that's um, that's that's yeah, amazing that that's where we are now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I guess yeah. it all stems from just like <laughs> yeah, not doing very hard work. I mean, the thing, yeah, not working that hard at school and then just being like, shit. Okay, well, I want to go to uni. So before you went to uni, like you're on your way, like August that year, yeah, like a month away to uni. Like your music taste with your friend, like are your friends moving to that area of the world. Um, one guy I went to sixth form with, my friend Carl. He went to Kent Uni as okay, well. And yeah. like we definitely had some like music taste in common. Cool. And what music what was your music before you went to Kent? So basically I remember the the bands that I've absolutely loved, like in that t- like growing out of like liking stuff like pop like Green Day and like Blink one eighty two and stuff like this, maybe like Nirvana and I fucking loved Muse. Yeah. Uh, and I remember the first gig I ever went to was Muse, supported by 100 Reasons. Damn. Okay. And I I mean, like, I still rate that first 100 Reasons album and a couple of their first EPs. Like, maybe it's a nostalgia thing. Maybe if you go back and listen to it and you weren't into it at the time, it's not that good, but I love it. I, I guess the I music that they were making isn't a thing right now either, is it? Yeah, That's I guess not. not. What, yeah. I mean, I, I say it like I've listened. I've never listened to that record. It was before my time. But I feel like rock music is in a different place right now. Yeah, than yeah, it was for sure. there. Yeah, so um, yeah, it's like hundred reasons. And then off the back of hundred reasons, there was like this whole like scene around the time of like 
Biffy Clyro, Hellas for Heroes, Kinesis, yeah, uh, this girl. Uh, so Million like bands Dead. that you can really jump into and like. Even at school, Wikipedia, and you're like, click on a link, click on a link, and you're Mate, like, we didn't have Wikipedia so- back then. Wow. Okay. <laughs> well, but, we might have done, but yeah, we um, I can't. I, but I they're like remember. alternative, pushing towards yeah a sure. subculture or like yeah like definitely yeah. If I mean, you went to like, see Hundred Reasons six weeks later in your area after the Muse tour, yeah, like they're playing with. They're, that's a completely different thing, right? Yeah, they're, not they're playing tr- with smaller not, bands. Yeah, and, yeah they're not buying into. Venue. Like, oh, the bands that are playing with us have just paid on this tour. It's like, this is an organic thing that we have made. Yeah, sure. But we also, when we buy into the music business, it's because we're trying to play with bigger bands rather than being like, we want to be the big band that only play to a thousand people but like yeah. I mean I don't I'm not don't sure because I know 100 Re- they I mean just that specific band and especially Biffy Clyro now definitely are that but I remember going to see Biffy Clyro at the Little Civic in Wolverhampton which is just like it's just the upstairs room of a pub yeah um, it's maybe like 250 capacity mm. and like going to see Biffy Clyro with my mates and being stood at the front and like you know them being there and like you know, what that band is now is obviously you know they play massive festivals and stuff. But yeah. it was like for me, it was like oh my god, that's the band, that's them. Like, do you think that that's what they were like then? Because yeah, oh I don't I don't know. I, don't, I guess I don't know what their like ambitions were and stuff. But it seemed like it was just cool to me to be like shit. There's the band there, like you know, in it playing in yeah. a room this size and like yeah, yeah. I don't know. It felt you know. But do you think that was a reflection on you being like I love this band and they're playing in a small room and I've not seen this before. Or it was like a special one because you're like this band's clearly going to be like. I'm the... not sure. No, I didn't know. I d- we didn't think at the time. Was there a we... scene in your area? No, not particularly. Like, I mean, there was like, there wasn't like you wouldn't get people putting on gigs without town bands. Yeah. But there was like, we used to put on gigs like us and a couple of other bands uh, used to put on gigs at the rugby club in Bridge North. Yeah. And we'd like sort of like turn up with like tiny practice amps so like the <laughs> yes. drums are basically like the drums are like louder than everything else and like um just like play to like you know a bunch of people from school because like yeah you could Something maybe to get, do on a well, you could get served in the rugby club if you're underage sometimes so and, like, even like the kids that would never talk to you at schools like coming because they can get a beer um, or is it still just they the probably they definitely thought we were grebos and moshers so and they would come down if they ever came down they would have definitely been just like for the drinks but um, yeah but that's what I mean. Like people come down because you're like yeah, yeah. offering something in a small town. But I guess like I don't know. Like it was really strange. Like some, like the the year above us, there was a couple of bands. Mm. Uh, there's this one band called Capita, and they were like garage rock, which at the time was what was definitely the big thing. It was like the oh. vines and the strokes had happened, oh, okay. white stripes yeah. and stuff. And everyone in the sixth form like would they would be like up for it whereas when we used to play it would just be like our mates would be like there but they would just be like sat down like having beers and it would just be like yeah it's yeah. it's uh yeah it's a funny time um <laughs> yeah so you get to so you're going to canterbury like what are you like are you like right i'm gonna make friends with, is music your thing or are you like i'm just gonna just see what it's like being a student yeah i guess i don't know like it's really i mean you know, you're going somewhere where you don't really know anyone. So, and you know, I was don't... there any bands that you knew from that area before? Uh, November Coming Fire. Okay, yeah, that yeah. was the only one I really knew. And also, um, I'd been to a show in Birmingham. I've been to see the band Some Girls, which is like a side project of American Nightmare and okay. The Locust and like those sort of San Diego bands. 
Uh, and they'd been supported by a band called Knives, which were a Birmingham-based, like, math rock emo sort of thing. And they'd done a split CD with this band called Like Hurricane, which was from Canterbury. Okay, yeah, yeah. So, like, um, Like Hurricane and, like, November Coming Fire, I'd seen, like, in Rock Sound. Yeah. Like, there, there was just, like, you know, big full-page adverts for wow. Dungeness and stuff like that when that came out. Okay, I remember that. yeah, I didn't know that they were um, that big, but they're before my time, so yeah. I not really um, grasp that. So, yeah, so I was like, I was aware that there was, like, stuff happening in Kent, but that wasn't the main drive for it, and I wasn't, like... That wasn't, like, the, um, yeah, the basis for going down there. Yeah. And, like, when I did get there, like, you know, you you go to uni and you're just, like, you want to meet people and you take people as they are. And, like, I've never been one to sort of, like, even at that age, to not make friends with someone based on, like, yeah, what, yeah. what they listen to, which at the time, every motherfucking dickhead was listening <laughs> to the fucking Killers. <laughs> the Killers album would come out and just, like, could not fucking escape from this album that I hated. Just some Mr. Brightside following you around. Oh, God. And it still does. It still does. <laughs> you know, I've, I've, I read somewhere that that's not left the top 200 since it was released in Britain. That is... I mean, is it a good song? I just hate it. I just hate it. Anyway. <laughs> so that was like the thing I remember. But um, yeah, I ended up... Um, I don't know, not really like... Me, I sort of, um, I remember the first person I met who was like, right, we're going to be mates, and it was based on music, was uh, my friend Chris, Chris Moore, who plays in Meadows and Yotnar. Yeah. And uh, our initial meeting yes, was, in, me about <laughs> was in the laundrette. So uh, Chris is vegan. He's been vegan since he was 15 or 16. And we were in the laundrette at uh, uni, uh, just like, I didn't know him, he didn't know me. Uh, we were just hanging out in there, like, washing clothes. And, like, a Daddy Long Legs or something was in there. And I just, like, really went out of my way to squash this Daddy Long Legs. Uh, and Chris, the vegan, was just like, the fuck did you do that for? Kind of thing. Like, <laughs> why would you do that? Why would you go out of your way to do that? And I was just kind of like, all right, mate. I and just... had you never thought about... Not like, really. I mean, like... Just do yeah, that? it's just, like, like, it's just a Daddy cares? Long Legs. It's, yeah, who cares, basically? I mean... Um, Chris is now a very um, he strict hates Krishna. Well, he hates <laughs> no, bees not. actually. So like, fuck, he's you know he's all these fucking their only bees. But he, he did, really he did get bees. you a job with his uncle selling fireworks. Yeah, he did later. exactly. So, but yeah, um, so basically, like initial. <laughs> Sean's been waiting to get that in there. Oh, hang on, wait. There we go. Perfect, poor mate. You should work in a bar. Um, so yeah, like uh, that's our first meeting and. Um, it's a bad one. Chris is like, I fucking hate this guy. Can you tell he's a greebo? Oh, yeah, him? definitely. Like, at this point, he had long hair. He had, like, he was wearing, like, a grungy, like, jumper and, like, baggy jeans. And, like, I think he had a braid in his hair and stuff like that. He, he looked like a... He was living it. He looked like a grunger. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I remember later on, like, maybe, like, a week later, someone was like, oh, do you want to come up to my friend Chris's room? Like, we're having some drinks and stuff. Like, I walk in and, like, it's him. And he just, like, stares me out. It's just like, oh, fuck. Here he is, the Daddy Longlegs kid. Yeah, exactly, the murderer. He's told everyone the murderer is here. Um, he's, he's probably writing in the, the university paper. Yeah, exactly. But then I, I, I sort of, like, you know, just sort of, like, mooching around in the room and stuff, like, and I was looking for his CDs because that's, that's a fun thing to do in someone's house, yeah. you know, their CDs or music or whatever. And he had a um, bunch of stuff that I'd never heard of and then a bunch of stuff that I had heard of, but... Crucially, he had Cap- Captain Beefheart, Trap Mask Replica, and Will Haven, Carpe Diem. 
And I was like, I don't know if I don't know anyone else in the world who likes both of these things <laughs> enough to take it to your university. Yeah, so I, I saw I, I like I like pulled them out and I was like, oh, I can't believe you like these like as well. Like, I love these albums. And he was like, yeah, they're fucking great. And yeah, just off the back of that, it turned into literally years of hanging out listening to music together still to this day still to this day yeah yeah Yeah. um yeah just hanging out and listening to music together and stuff so yeah that was sick so um canterbury has had from me as an outsider yeah um i guess it comes and goes the scene sometimes it can be amazing sometimes it's like i like at the moment it seems like a bit of a lull but yeah. um, what was it like when you got there, music-wise? So I think a lot of stuff had just, like, literally just finished. Like, I know, I, like, I remember when I get, got there, there was not that many shows happening. And also about two weeks after I moved to Canterbury, Richard's Records, which was a independent record store on the high street, uh, actually closed its doors. Yeah. Um, and basically, yeah, for the whole of my first year, uh, I don't really remember any gigs like yeah. my friend Chris went to see uh, I did not go with him unfortunately <laughs> he went to see Bar Bar Luck who's the bassist <laughs> from King Prawn <laughs> play a solo acoustic set um, was you busy that night yeah well I just like yeah, I remember he came back and he had this Bar Bar Luck CD and he put it on and I was like yeah you know what maybe I should have gone actually but I mean I think That's he, I would bad like, it was at the time. I'm sure we'll just, if he listens to this, I'm sure we'll discuss it next time we see it, but it, it's bad, Maybe isn't I'll it? I'll get him on just as a... Just to ask him about Bar Bar Luck. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I don't really remember that, but, like, um, I'd sort of, like, well, you know, met some other people. I was hanging out with my friend Julius, um, who basically I got introduced to him because he liked Minor Threat. Okay. And like I was into I think we've had this discussion before. I'm not the biggest Minor Threat fan actually. Like I like a lot of those DC punk bands, but like Minor Threat is just like I think that what Johnny's trying to say once I said an off the cuff cuff remark about two things that were both great. <laughs> and I said, "Well, you know, it's like Minor Threat and Fugazi, like they're both great in their own ways. Do you really need to pit them against each other?" And he replied <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, because he's better. <laughs> so yeah. Um so yeah, so this guy Julius I met and like he loved uh, Minor Threat, so like we actually started playing music together off the back of that. Like we were like, right, let's do let's get into hardcore man, let's do a punk band. Um based on like mutual love for like Black Flag and Slayer as well. Yeah, yeah, okay. And like a couple of like just heavy yeah, or, like, or hard music. Yeah, yeah, basically. Um, so we yeah we started playing together um, and then it was just the two of us just guitar and drums and uh, we were like oh we need to get someone else involved and we'd heard about or Julius had this guy Gonzo Gonzalo who is uh, a published author now okay congratulations Gonzo tell me what's, what's the book uh, it's called We Are The End um, I've and not finished reading it his yet his full name his name is Gonzalo Seron Garcia and it's published cool. by Galley Beggar Press. I know all this because I went to the book launch the other day. Brilliant. Um, yeah, so he's had a published book out, um, uh, which you should all check out. Uh, anyway, what was I? Oh, yeah, so, yeah, we heard about this guy. He was playing in a band at the time called Verse, I think. They were called Verse. Not the Verse. Not No, not that. Not the uh, not <laughs> that Verse. Edge. Well, maybe they weren't straight edge, but the Bridge Nine Harkle band. But, yeah, no, another band called Verse um, that was kind of like... He was trying to do, I guess, like something like Radiohead meets Mars Volta or something like that. And uh, yeah, we asked him to come and um, 
do vocals. He loved uh, Refused. was like his big thing. So we asked him to come and do vocals and we ended up doing this band, just the three of us. Um, yeah, which like for a couple of years. What was um, that called? It's called Earth Defence Force. Cool. Um, we did... We only played a handful of gigs and we went up to Nottingham to record. That was the first time I ever recorded in the studio was we recorded at Stuck on a Name with Bob Oh, wow. T. So that's a pretty sick I mean, just like I started here. So the, I've probably skipped ahead a little bit to get to this point. But like uh, at this point, I'd heard about DIY music and I'd started going to DIY gigs. And I'd started like buying records from DIY bands. And you saw Balti's name come up like yeah. a fair amount, like yeah. recorded... Um, Dead Sea fucking scrolls, hangover, heart attack split, which is like I love that record still yeah. to this day. And he recorded um, my friend Sam, who's from Lancaster. He recorded a bunch of like Lancaster bands and stuff like that because I think Balti is originally from Lancaster. He can correct me. Uh, but he also that year he'd recorded Army of Flying Robots, Life Is Cheap, which is one of my favorite records. So we were just like, oh my god, who is this guy? Yeah, like, yeah. we've got to go and record with him, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and just yeah, went up and recorded. I think that's still sitting on a hard drive somewhere. Never, <laughs> never ended up seeing the light of day. Classic. Um, yeah, but it was kind of like we were just doing like a metal hardcore sort of band. Um, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Can we um, can we skip now? Yeah, sure. maybe sometime we'll come back and uh, fill in the gaps. Yeah, but yeah. Like, so yeah, tell me about when you started, or like, tell me about when you first heard Battle of Wolf. Uh, so um, which I would imagine was a bit of a yeah, pivotal I mean, band it was a, a Battle of Wolf are one of my favourite bands and absolutely crucial I'd say um, so I remember my friend Jules um, who was at uni in London at the time he was at Queen Mary and I knew Jules through my friend Sam who had met at uni and like they went to school together in Lancaster and like started hanging out together just going to gigs and stuff and I just remember him like coming like I just saw him like you know and he was just like oh my god dude I've seen this band and they are just like the best yeah um I think like so Sam and Derek from Battle at the time I believe were putting on shows in London at and were they um, living in London yeah I think I believe so yeah they're from they're from Kent but I think at this time they were living in London and Jules had met them going to the shows that they put on um, at various, I'm trying to remember what the name of the squat was. It's not maybe Ratstar, something like. Yeah, the one in um, Highbury. Uh, yeah, that and there was another one. I li- I cannot remember what it was called. Oh, but... Ratstar was in um, South London. No, there was one near in Oval, like near Whitechapel. Okay, oh, I literally cannot remember what it's called now. Maybe it'll come back. Rampart, Rampart. So um, yeah, they they were putting on shows at Rampart, I believe, at the time, and Jules had started going to them because he was living in Whitechapel. And yeah, he was just like, oh my god, like. You've you've got to check this band out. Yeah. And like, for those of you who haven't heard Battle of Wolf, like they really are amazing. It's like, what record do you think people who haven't heard which should go So to? I think like the, the 12 inch Death of Effect is amazing, but yeah. also like the seven inches, like the split seven inch with Kaddish or Kaddish, I don't know how you pronounce it, especially like, that's like a, it's an amazing record. And um, yeah, I remember going to see the band, oh God, what they called Trencher the most sort of like um, inconsistent band in the world. Like sometimes you see Trencher and they would be absolutely amazing. And sometimes you see Trencher and you'd think, is, are they joking? Like what's going on? <laughs> but I, I went to see Trencher play a gig and someone there had a distro. I don't know who it was. 
and yeah, pulled out the Battle of Wolf Kaddish seven inch, and I was like, shit, Jules has told me about this, and yeah, just like loved both those bands, but Battle of Wolf especially is like, and then started going to gigs and like because Jules knew Sam and Derek, like meeting meeting people like through gigs and realizing yeah. that like. I guess that's the difference between like being at the Biffy Clyro gig and being like, oh my God, the band are in the same room and I can see them to being like the band are just normal people who go to gigs as well. And like, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's not. It's... And because they put on gigs. And yeah, exactly, Did they have the label yeah. at the time? I'm not... uh, yeah, Parade of Spectres. They were doing Parade yeah, of Spectres. So you're like, you know, they also like music and I love their yeah. band. So chances are I'll probably like the records they put out. Yeah, and like or both of them. put on very approachable people like as well yeah. like always up for like chatting like and like you know you never felt like you were sort of annoying them even though probably were probably punishing were them. punishing them yeah <laughs> and to this day continue to <laughs> punish them yes um so yeah i remember yeah like um because through them then like um hearing about Crimea River Festival okay and basically me and Jules and Ollie, my friend Ollie, who yeah. plays drums in Snob. Yeah. Um, so you, all... how did you meet Ollie? So Ollie, uh, I met Ollie because Ollie was putting on gigs at the time in Margate. Okay. At a art gallery called the Pharmacy Gallery. And Margate's in Kent. Margate's if, in Kent. So yeah. So I was when I was at uni, um, and I remember my friend Sam, uh, Sam Mildner, he had met. He had like heard about some gigs because he was on Collective Zine, I believe, at the time. Okay. And he'd seen about some gigs happening in Kent. And so he was like, oh, let's go to these gigs and stuff. And I think the first one I went to remember was um, Lords, the Nottingham band Lords, which is like, they're, they're a great band, like worth checking out, like yeah. twangy sort of riffy sort of rock stuff, I guess. Um and yeah, so like that Ollie was putting on shows in Kent at the time and like started going to them and started meeting people, uh, including like Ben and Charlie, who I play in Skylark with. Yeah. And I remember actually at the first, what, uh, Ollie's first memory of me, he always loves telling me this, is I was at a show he put on, I think it was Brain Dead, the Leicester Power Violence yeah, band. Yeah, yeah, sick band. Great band. And like I had kept my backpack on. And I was in, you know, it was a small gig venue, but it yeah. was there was a mosh happening. Uh, and yeah, I just like moshed into Ollie with my backpack on, which if you've ever been moshed into by somewhere in a backpack is quite annoying. Okay. And he sort of just like shoved me and was like, who is this dickhead? Coming in here. Yeah, coming into my gig, just like moshing with his backpack on, what a prick. Um, yeah, so just, yeah, I remember like at the time Ollie putting on a lot of gigs and like going to those and starting to meet people. Um, and yeah, stuff like at the time, like yeah, Brain Dead, like power violence bands, grindcore bands. Remember, he put on Magruder Grind yeah. at the Pharmacy Gallery, and that was just I mean the, absolutely mind blowing. Yeah, that's like, the word I was going to use. I'd never seen any, anything like this in my life at this point. I was just like, yeah. you struggle to find harder for a, a band that yeah. toured. Like obviously, there's a lot of bands that are very fast, but they were accessible because they were always touring. Yeah, exactly. So, and like, I think for a lot of people, I'd imagine they'd say like that's the first band i ever saw that i just couldn't comprehend how fast that was well i'd like i i was in i'd been into stuff like converge and obviously converge has blast beats and stuff but like <laughs> different it's, world, it's very isn't different it? isn't it like converge you use blast beats but it's not that's not their mode is it like they have a yeah, lot of where that is like things going all right we've got hot well we've got 20 minutes let's uh yeah and i just it was just like oh my god like i can't believe like 
I don't believe he's drumming in Magruder Grind anymore, but no. Chris Moore, the drummer from Magruder Grind, is just he, he's amazing. Yeah, he's yeah. fantastic. He drums in loads of bands. Sick Fix. Sick Fix is my favourite, but yeah, Coke Bus I guess is the most yeah. uh, popular. Yeah, so yeah, so you know, just seeing this like band live, I was just like, what the hell is going on? Kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, but then when you think that and then they finish their set by the time you finished the yeah, set yeah, it's yeah, in your mind. Yeah, yeah, I'm just oh my god, <laughs> wow, that's been and gone. Yeah. Yeah. Um Sorry, so yeah, so Ollie, who's now a friend v- via going to the shows that yeah, he puts yeah, yeah. on, um, you go over to Seymour, oh, Crimea River. Well, yeah, so we um, we heard about Crimea River. Jules had been the, the previous year because, like, uh, through being friends with Sam and Derek, and uh, he basically was like, oh my God, um, Shikari are playing. Yeah. So Shikari did a re- reunion show in 2009, I think it was. Shikari, a Dutch screamo band. They, uh, actually, I, I know that they would probably hate me saying they're a screamo band, but they are. <laughs> um, Dutch screamo band, absolutely amazing. Like, very fucking heavy. Um, great use of, like, double kick pedals and stuff. Like, really high-pitched, screamy vocals. Um, almost screaming, some might say. So almost screamoing, <laughs> some, some might say. Um, uh, yeah, so, like, we, um, we were like, okay, right, we're going to go to this festival, so... We bought tickets and then we were like, oh shit, how are we going to get there? And Jules, this is in the like north, northeast north, Germany, northwest Germany, northwest, northwest Germany. Germany. It's like it's it's in like a field in the middle of nowhere, basically. Yeah, Dortmund, an hour. And yeah, then you I get think to the a closest, town, and then it's like twenty minutes from that town. Yeah, maybe the closest place is Bielefeld. Or, no, the closest town is Versmold Pekelo. But any, anyway, it's, it's it's in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, it's far away from a bus stop, let alone anywhere else. Yeah, so. Um, Jules, uh, who had been the previous year, who was our only person who could guide us that we knew at the time, um, had he was at Primavera, so he was travelling there from Spain. Yeah. So, like, basically, he found out about um, through Sam and Derek uh, this guy Rob, who was the drummer in Mingolife. <laughs> Rob, yes. Robbo, just a uh, disclaimer. Robbo. Best guy, best guy, Robbo boy. So, uh, yeah. So basically, he'd heard about. Um, and he lives in Kent. He right? lives in Kent, but this guy Rob was driving to Seymour from Kent. So had you seen me and Goliath at this no, point? No, well, at, at, so off the back of this, so we were like, okay, so this guy Rob's got a space in his car and he's in this band, me and Goliath. So like, oh, they're playing a gig at Rampart. And so we were like, oh, we'll go down. We can introduce ourselves and like, um, you know, like just make sure it's all cool and like... Yeah. So we went down to Rampart and the first band on was this post-rock band and like I really cannot be bothered with post-rock. <laughs> like I just find it in really meandering and like not that exciting and like it just goes on forever. So like watch this post-rock band. See that sounds like the catchphrase I've got for this podcast. <laughs> meandering goes, <laughs> it goes on, forever. on forever, goes on nowhere. Um so yeah, like um went to this this band and they were so shit. Sorry. Uh, they're listening. They're well, probably, probably you haven't not. named them yet, so don't worry. Fifty Two Commercial Road, <laughs> um, and then at, like as soon as they finished, like Goliath came on and just like like the whole room was like captivated, like yeah, completely bored by this. Maybe other people liked it, but the the feeling I got was like everyone was just kind of like yeah, okay, this something. this needs to finish kind of thing. And then Goliath came on and like literally just had everyone's attention yeah like full attention and they absolutely smashed it and then just, yeah like after the set going up to like Rob and being like 
Can I come in your car, please? <laughs> yeah, um, I try not to inject with my own stories. In yeah, this, yeah, no, obviously it's, it, uh, but <clears throat> so in we're in a world where me and Goliath got back together and started playing shows again. Yeah. So thankfully, I saw that. Yeah. But the only time I saw me and Goliath pre that, they played with um, Algernon Cadwallader um, in Brighton. Yeah. And they played a song. They played a second song halfway through. The guitar started fucking up. They played like the second song again, managed to get through it. Just into the third song. It just, nah. Chris, was... if you're listening, get your amp fixed. <laughs> yeah, get and that, it, that was fixed. it. And I was like, shit, that's like my legacy of seeing yeah, me and yeah. Because um, if you've never listened to them and you're listening to this, one on their band count, I think they got everything up. Yeah, the, and the, it's fucking amazing. But I was just gonna <sighs> say the, the ten inch, that ten inch, yeah. self titled ten yeah, inch yeah, is yeah, yeah. one of my favorite records ever. And yeah, everyone should listen to it. Yeah, um, and I always thought, fuck, I've missed that. Yeah, no, but yeah, but they did come back and it. they were like better than ever. Yeah, yeah, probably. Uh, well, some people might say they were better than ever because this was like just this was an uh, Lich who um, Gabby and. Rob were playing in post, yeah, post. me and Goliath yeah. um, and they toured a lot yeah. which I'm sure at some point there'll be people I talk to on this podcast who were in that band and yeah, talk yeah. about that and I'm sure when me and John have a second time we'll talk about that because <laughs> I think that was quite a like they were a band that really brought a lot of people together like even yeah, like I mean, me and John like, probably wouldn't be talking right now yeah, if it wasn't for that agree. band absolutely agree like um, everyone could talk to these people like, and everyone did and they were always wanting to party with everyone and like yeah definitely like a lot of our friendships I think like do do sort of relate around that band even though if you say like like you do say like not necessarily even getting to see them when we became yeah. friends but like due to the friendships formed yeah yeah around that band but anyway so um i've got one really good story about that journey to crimea river yes um so um we get down me and ollie so we, we watched Goliath. They're amazing. And, and does Ollie speak... and Rob, did Ollie and Rob know? No, no, not, none of us knew. So we, we just like went up to Rob and we were like, if you've ever Hello, met Rob, mate. yeah, everything's okay. Every, nothing is a problem for Rob. It's up to you, mate. That's the Rob catchphrase. It's up to you, mate. It's up to you, mate. Nothing's, nothing's a problem. Nothing's a problem. So yeah, so he was like, yeah, of course you can come in the car with me. Just like get to Ashford on this day and we'll, we'll go in the morning. So we did. Um, drove from Ashford all the way to Versmold in Germany picking up um, Tom Bleasdale on the way. And um, uh, halfway along the way, we got stuck in traffic. There was a lot of traffic on the autobahn. And also, I think Tom was not feeling very well because he'd been partying the previous night in Eindhoven. So we sort of pulled over to the side of the road so we could all get a bit of fresh air and eventually sort of get back in the car and, like, move along a little bit, the traffic starts moving a bit, at which point we're about, I'm going to say, quarter, quarter of a mile down the road. What, from? Uh, from where we, we'd Seymour. stopped. No, oh, from where okay. we'd stopped, yeah, yeah. so Tom, uh, we could all get some bit of air. And uh, Ollie's like, oh, my God, where's my phone? Where's my phone? Oh, no. I think I left it on top of the car when we pulled away. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so, my God. So uh, we're stuck in traffic, and like, like I say, to, nothing's a problem for Rob. And he's like, Ollie's like, oh, sh- I'm... Do you reckon we've got time if I just like hop out and like grab my phone, grab it, and Hopefully. like 
And like Rob's just like, yeah, man, sure. It's like, you know, it's up to, it's up to you, mate. Uh, so Ollie does, gets out of the car, and he like, off he vanishes in the rearview mirror. And we're just like, just I remember Gabby turning around and she just goes, I can't believe he's done that. <laughs> like, that's <laughs> fucked. Like, we're, we're on the autobahn. We are in traffic, but we're on the autobahn and he's he's just gone. Like, I can't believe it. That's <laughs> fucked. And uh, yeah, like, it sort of all dawned on us. We were like, what? What are we going to do? We're on the motorway. If the traffic starts moving, like, we can't just sit here and wait for him. We're on the fucking motorway. And the, the motorway that is famous around the world because it doesn't have... It doesn't have a hard shoulder and it doesn't stop. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, like, the traffic starts moving, uh, albeit, like, slowly. And Rob's just like, oh, sh- I, I don't know what to do. I'm like, I've got to go. At which point... In the distance in the rearview mirror, we see Ollie, who looks like, he looks um, like, he looks like uh, Keanu Reeves crossed yes. with Enya. So you're you like, so it. up for uh But literally, like, if, if you've ever seen Terminator 2, like, running like the T-1000 does, like, down the motorway, like, and, like, literally gets into the car as we have to go. And he's just, like, <laughs> so out of breath. <laughs> just like, still out of breath to this day. Yeah, still out of breath to this day. We've all we've all packed in the cigarettes since then, so uh, yeah, that's like that's my overarching memory of that, and like that was a pretty good first memory to have, like sharing with these like people we'd essentially just met and stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so like Crimea River is a great festival. If you've never been, you should go. How was um, that festival? Uh, it, was, it was absolutely amazing. Like it was that was another so real life play. Battle played. Me and Goliath. Me and Goliath played. Um, I don't oh, know if any yeah. other English bands played that year. I know the previous year Kadish had played. Uh, they're Scottish, I should say, not English. And the year before that, the Mock Heroic had played. Um, but I don't think any other UK bands played that year. But yeah, it was fantastic. I met people I'm still friends with to this day. It was a really great atmosphere. Was, who was good? Who was good? Like, Shikari. Yeah. Just absolutely destroyed. And the band Trainwreck at the time, I really loved, but... I, yeah, I'm not uh, not a huge fan of these days. Just it, not like in a for any particular reason. I just don't listen to them very much yeah, anymore. Yeah. But I remember them being good at the time. Um, God, I can't remember who else played Dulcim, but Shikari was the one. Shikari yeah, was just yeah. like the the room was so packed. The drummer had to crowd surf out halfway through the set because it was so hot in there, and he just like got a bit of time outside. Everyone was like, "Oh, is that is the set over?" Including his bandmates, just on stage, like, uh, yeah. I think we might be done. Like, sorry. And then he's, nope, nope. I've had enough no, of a break. Put me back up. I'm coming back. Like, comes back through the crowd and gets up and finishes the set. But, um, yeah, it's a great festival. It's a great atmosphere. Like, uh, no bu- no bullshit is tolerated, but also doesn't really seem like much bullshit. From yeah. my experience. Yeah, it's pretty small. What's it, 300? Goes on. Yeah, 300 festival. people. And, like, yeah. Um, yeah, you know, everyone's pretty respectful. From my, my personal experience, like, yeah. Yeah. Um, and um, so, so you said that you are already friends with Charlie and Ben from Skylark. Yeah, we've met a couple of times, and like we go to gigs together. We've been to ATP Festival a couple of times. First time I met Ben, this is a very good story. Well, maybe not the first time, or like the second or third time, but um, we were at Supersonic Festival in Birmingham, which is like a wicked. I believe it's still going. I haven't been for a couple of years, but like it's like based around sort of like avant-garde metal, like son and like people like that play it um and i knew ollie a little bit and he'd he'd driven up with um a car full of his band cubs at the time okay cubs was a five piece but they 
driven up in the car with someone extra. So Ben had travelled up in the boot for Brilliant. some reason. That's so Ben. Yeah. Um, and I just, yeah, we just hung out that weekend. Like, I remember distinctive set is like Wolf Eyes, all of us watching Wolf Eyes. And this was in the period where I think Human Animal had just come out. Okay. And like, that's, this is at their most aggressive. Like, now they're less aggressive than they were. This was at the height of their aggressive. So it's just this incredibly ing- aggressive, heavy, like, noise set. Um, yeah, so Ben being in the in the boot of the car <laughs> from the way from Kent to Birmingham, That's three which is hours, right? it's probably a bit more than that. Wow. Uh, but yeah, that was uh, allegedly. Then, allegedly, if you're listening this, um, allegedly in the boot. Yeah. If you're from the British Transport Police, yes. Um, so yeah, I'd met Ben and I met Charlie. Uh, early memories of Charlie, <laughs> um, just sort of like. Uh, being at a festival and having maybe having had too many sherbets and saying stuff like sherbet is beer, by the way. Uh, maybe saying something like I don't like the way numbers are ordered, <laughs> like you know, <laughs> completely ridiculous Brilliant. stuff yeah. like this. But yeah, Skylight, um, Skylight was a band by the time like I met those guys. They were playing. It was them and another band called John. Great band, great band. Uh, I know they've got some earlier recordings that we. Uh, like to have a laugh about every now and then, but um, just like maybe a bit new metal. Were you a fan of? I didn't like. know them at that point, but I was a fan of like when when we started hanging out. They just started writing some like newer stuff. Um, hanging out as a band, like when they invited you in. No, hanging hang out, out. Just hanging out like as friends. Um, and yeah, the three of them um, just used to play a lot of gigs. So at this point, I'd moved up to London and was living with Ben and Ollie. And but Ollie was still putting on gigs in Margate at um, a practice room, which was run by Jason Fry, um, uh, son of Sun Studios. Yeah. And he was putting on Ollie was putting on gigs there with um, Sam Richardson, Sam from Keep Screaming Records, Human Junk, um, Pax Indigo, Pax Indigo, Calendar Year, Kind Eyes, kind no, of, no, 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 Wedding, Wedding, wedding. yeah, God, just like a million sorry. bands. So Sam Richardson and Ollie were putting on shows, and yeah, the I just remember seeing uh the afternoon gentleman yeah and like sam was really good friends with them at the time and they came down and played a gig at this practice room with skylark supporting and i remember that was the that was like the time when everyone was like holy shit skylark is like absolutely killing it like just like packed in a practice room like yeah it was just like what the fuck these new songs are just like sick insane it's it was amazing it was amazing and yeah, and the afternoon gentlemen were great as well. They introduced us to disgusting concepts like drinking booze that had uh, fishermen's friends dissolved in it. Brand, yeah, which Brand is fantastic. disgusting, but you know, it's, it, yeah, it's it's very on brand for the afternoon gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> um, which must be hard for them to keep up with. Oh yeah, I'm sure. I don't know how they do. Eight it. years later, yeah, or how long? I don't know how. So, they do so it. how did you join Skylark? Well, I just think, uh, but I just got asked basically. Like, I think maybe they'd been talking about it a bit. Um, but yeah, but I just remember coming back and Ben was like, oh, do you want to join Skylark? And I just went, can I really? <laughs> Is the way he tells it. Um, yeah, so like, they asked me to join and um, uh, they were like, oh, do you want to come and join Skylark? We're going to go and record an album in two weeks. I said, okay, sure. Uh, have you got any demo recordings? They had demos of two songs. Brilliant. So, <laughs> so I uh, took these demos and I can't remember if I had the eight track by this point, but I remember like recording, writing and recording guitar parts for these couple of songs over the top of those demos. And then basically just going and having my first couple of practices, having to learn the songs and then having to record 
And so did you write songs on that record? No, the first Skylight 12 inch, it was all all the songs were written pretty much completely. Um, and then I went and added guitar parts on top of that. So like lead, I guess, if you're like looking at it. Yeah, kind of. I mean, like there was it was it was really fun to be in a two guitar band at that time. Like John John's a great guitar player and um you know, there was points where we'd play you know, both play a lead that like sort of counterbalance each other. Some points where we could just play the same thing to make a riff yeah. sound heavier and um and some bits, yeah, where one of us might just be playing chords underneath like a lead and stuff. But yeah, basically just like um they were like, here's the songs, like, write apart. Sick. And yeah. I, yeah, I'd write apart and be like, is that okay? And they were just like, yeah, yeah, it's great. Nice. Yeah, yeah. And then, yeah, started. So that's how you joined Skylark? Yeah, pretty much, yeah. Just asked to do it, did it, like, and then, yeah, yeah still here, like, eight years later, I think. Nice. Yeah. And you got a new album coming out in the new year? Yeah, hopefully. Uh, we recorded with Jason, Jason Fry again. Um, he's pretty much we've recorded with a fry we recorded that that recording session was with jamie fry but then all of our other recordings done with jason yeah last um, record sounds amazing thank as well. you yeah he he's jason is amazing he's great to work with um he'll sort of push you to get like a good performance out of yeah, you yeah but he won't necessarily make you iron out if he thinks like oh you did you know you did a little mess up there but it adds character yeah like keep it in kind of thing and he's just got better and better like his studios like growing growing yeah i guess he's from the practice rooms that we just spoke about yeah, he's yeah. had three this is his third yeah premises yeah, yeah. since yeah yeah i believe no not since one practice room yeah. another one and then where he's at now so yeah he's uh, he's in um it's near minster i can't remember the actual yeah. It's called Century Audio. Like, he's got an amazing live room. He's got excellent amps. He's Sick. got like. So, what's the cool crack with the record? Are you sure at the moment? Um, so, I feel like it's almost ready to go. Um, was it always going to be an LP? No, I think we were. The original plan was we were just going to go and record all the songs we had, and if like just to have them recorded. And if anyone ever asked us if you know do you want to do a split or something like that, then we have like a backlog of songs. Um, but once we had all the songs recorded, it kind of felt like they were a complete unit. So we decided yeah. that, okay, we are going to keep it as an LP. Uh, well, I mean, I don't know if it can, I don't know what constitutes an LP. It's what, only about twelve inch. Yeah, it's twelve, 12 inch. inch. Yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, so I think like it's just a few little mixing things and it needs mastering, and then yeah, I guess we'll sort some artwork out and definitely I think put it up for stream as soon as it's ready and then yeah. maybe physical release later who knows savage yeah brilliant cool thank you John cheers mate hey thanks for listening to the whole conversation hope you enjoyed it um, the music for the intro was by uh, my buddy Sean check him out at soundcloud.com forward slash KFS1 everything that you have heard and we'll continue to hear is engineered, produced, mixed, etc., 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 by my good friend Liam Clayton. Check him out at Liam C Audio. The logo I got done was by Jack Smith and is updated by Stephen Hill. Check them both out. Google is your friend with that. And the music you're listening to underneath what I'm talking about right now is by Skylark. It's from their split with Meadows and it's called Centurion Beast. I'm not